The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of It's Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And, Chet, we're on a short time schedule tonight with our special guest, Kevin Riley. So let's welcome Kevin, Kevin back, and let's get right to it. Kevin, welcome. Hey, glad to be back with you guys. Enjoy this thoroughly, as you know. All right. Hey, Kevin, this is Chet. Thanks uh, much, very much for joining us once again. It's always great to have you on with us and get your insight. So, as Bill said, let's get right to it. Pretty much everyone agrees that the Eagles' biggest needs heading into this offseason are wide receivers and cornerbacks. Do you agree with that, and how are they going to go about improving those positions? Well, I would say uh, wide receiver and running back. Uh You've got to help Carson Wentz, who I think will drastically improve this offseason uh, with mechanics. If you remember, he only played one quarter of one preseason game, and he did really well the first three games. And guys in the NFL, when they get tape on you and you tend to do the same things over and over again, especially when you're young, well, they, they, you know, they started to figure him out. And I think he was averaging three block passes a game after the fifth game. So he needs some help. A uh, wide receiver would be number one, but, you know, you, I don't think you can really count on the running backs they have. Matthews gets injured way too often, and then after that, it's it's slim pickings. And you can see that, the you know, the teams that made it to the final four this year for the um, NFL, and, you know, to the down to the uh, division playoffs, all had pretty good running backs. So I would put that as a second choice, and maybe they can trade to get somebody out there as a corner. Interesting. Well, hey, Kevin, the uh, the linebacker play turned out to be pretty good. Jordan Hicks had another uh, pretty good year, stayed healthy the whole year. Uh, how, how did you think that developed, and did it surprise you? Uh, a little bit, but, you know, um, Hicks, my biggest concern was could he, could he stay healthy. He He's a lot like me when I was playing. I was a light linebacker, and my speed and athleticism really overcame my lack of weight. But with that, you have a tendency to wear down. Two things happened with him that I thought was great. He seemed to get stronger as the season went on, not wearing down, which was surprising to me. And he really stayed out of harm's way. He started all 16 games uh, and, you know, participated. And that's a real good sign. On the other hand, Connor Barwin, I believe, has seen his last game as an Eagle. He played real well for a couple of years, but he was a big disappointment there this year. And um, Graham, who they moved from, you know, the three-point stance, stand them two up, I thought he had an outstanding season and is only going to get better as he learns that linebacker role. I was pleasantly pleased with the linebacker situation this year with the Eagles. All right, Kevin, the Eagles hired a new wide receivers coach the other day, Mike Groh. I know they need more talent at that position, but how much can a change in position coach help a particular position? You know, I'm not sure, but as you can see from watching Tom Brady, you know, I think you could take a high school senior that's really good in this country and put him wide receiver, (laughs) and I think Tom Brady could find him and get the ball to him shoulder high. Uh, You know, it's a matter – it's really a matter of a quarterback and a a wide receiver getting comfortable with one another. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I talk to Dick Vermeil, as you know, quite often, and we discussed, you know, the Eagles situation, how they started off strong and then kind of really went downhill in the middle of the season. And he made a very good point. The new NFL Players Association collective bargaining agreement only allows for them to have practice during the week for 90 minutes. When you have a new coach, you have a new quarterback, you got young wide receivers, 
you're never going to beat Bill Belichick, who's got 25 years' experience and is fine-tuning his 90-minute practices. Doug Peterson couldn't get an opportunity, you know, to get extra work for these guys after practice with coaches because it's not allowed. And you could see as the season wore on, fundamentally, they made really stupid mistakes. And that comes from not really pounding fundamentals. I really think they'll get it together, but a lot of people don't understand how restrictive the new CBA is and how it really hurts young coaches and young teams. Well, Kevin, you mentioned Doug Peterson, and that was going to be my next question for you. We've had this debate just about every week with our guests. Did, did they underachieve at 7-9 and nine and not by not making the playoffs, or did they overachieve at 7-9 and nine by winning games with a rookie quarterback and lack of talent at some, some real critical positions? Well, I, in my opinion, I think they just overachieved it from what I thought would happen. I thought it would be uh, kind of a 7-9 and nine season, maybe even a 6-10, and 10 because I didn't trust that their running back situation was solid. Uh, I knew that the wide receivers were suspect. I really had a lot more faith than Carson Wentz. I thought the guy really played admirably and never really, um, you know, lost his passion for the game going down the stretch and played hard. That will give him a lot of credit for but, you know, um, they beat a couple of really good teams when they weren't making mistakes. And I go back to my point, if he can somehow get these guys to cut down on mistakes, including the mistakes that he made, he made some really, you know, dumb mistakes time management-wise. It almost looked like he was taking some plays out of uh, Andy Reid's playbook there. But if they can cut down on the mistakes and continue – to bring this team along, I think it was a year where you'd have to say they did a little better than most people ex- expected. The biggest problem was when they got off to 3-0 and and they were rolling, the expectations got real high again, and I knew they couldn't last. Hmm. Hey, you mentioned Dick Vermeil a few minutes ago, and I keep forgetting you didn't actually play for Dick um, you preceded him in Philly by a couple of years, Kevin. Yet you and he are great friends. You've run his annual golf event the last seven or eight years. How did you and Coach Vermeil get to be so close? Are you there? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay, I lost you for a second. Well, um, okay. I, I, missed, I missed Coach by one year. And when right. I was released by the, the Patriots, I actually confronted him in a parking lot at Widener College, <laughs> and I, 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 un, I, unfortunately, I came up from behind him, and I think I scared him to death. It was after practice when you could do that sort of thing back in the 70s. <laughs> and um, we had a nice chat, and that was my first introduction to him, and he just didn't have a need. I know some of the guys like John Bunning and Bill Berge um, and Jaworski talked me up because they knew I was a good special team player and, and you know, a good backup linebacker. I could play three positions, and I was just – learning to uh, uh, be a long snapper. And um, long snapping is, you know, something that can keep you in the game a long time. And I was the backup long snapper. Another year I could have probably done a nicer job at it. I'm making a long story short. But from that brief meeting and having so many friends in common that we had, um, you know, from me playing there, uh, I started showing up at events that were alumni events, and he was involved in this, that, and the other. And then, um, you know, I got into the collective, as you would call it, Eagle family. But our bond has become really, really tight since I've, he and I have started to be on the same day as doing speaking engagements. And then I started running this golf tournament. And it's become, for me anyway, a very, very special relationship. And I should add, uh, Kevin, that thanks in part to you and Ken Dunnick, we were able to snag Coach Vermeil for our show in early December. And he was terrific, of course. And that was a real thrill for us to have him on here. So thank you for that. And speaking of the coach, well, how are plans coming along for the June golf tournament? Well, it's, I'm glad you asked because this, this year it's huge. It's, it's the 25th. If you can imagine, this is how loyal this guy is. You know, he, he has a saying that, I've adopted, I give some leadership talks, and um, I just love this saying of his that uh, uh, people don't care about how much you know until people know about how much you care. And he goes on to talk about if you lead, try to lead by fear, you may be able to make your, your target. You may be able to hit your mark 
of whatever your goal was. But you'll never go much further than that. People know that you care about them and that you genuinely care about them. You could be tough on them, but as long as they know that inside you care about them, they'll go through a wall for you at some point, and you'll overachieve. And I, I really believe that. And this guy has been doing this for the Boy Scouts of Chester County for 25 years. And well, I hope you guys can make it up again because it's going to be a very, very special time. Um, and as you saw last year, this gets to be, you know, a little crazy um, with uh, the, the as, a, as almost a, a Eagles reunion. Um, and now yep. these guys are starting to look forward to it. And I can tell you they're all ramping up for this year. And a lot of them are going to bring their wives in because it just might be the last one. Uh, predicted great event um i say that because you never know how he's going to he's 80 years old guy and he runs around like ricochet rabbit and anytime (laughs) that i say something to my wife about you know i don't feel like doing that or i'm too tired she'll say to me would you tell coach that just tell me you would tell coach that (laughs) (laughs) hey kev a quick follow-up to that before we get your super bowl prediction and and have to let you go what uh when we talked to you the last time, you were you were talking about possibly a second course or something like that uh, to to add more golfers. And and I tell you, we had a lot of feedback after after your last visit uh, with some people wanting to get involved and get to golf in that event. Is that going to be possible? Well, tell them to get there early. We we kind of struck out on that. It, it really got to hit it right to have a a country club that's close and wants to do it. And the, you know. It got to the point that it almost became like an um, an omen for me not to do it because it puts so many different, um, you know, spooks into the wheel that I don't want to spoil anything on Dick's 25th. So what we're going to do is we are going to expand the dinner part of it, which is probably the most fun anyway. And um, we're going to try to, you know, we're going to have a big tent outside. You guys saw how we overgrew that small uh, – area that uh, Jaworski has that he calls a uh, a conference room, but it's, it's not very big. Yeah. So we're going to have a huge tent outside that's really, and we're really going to concentrate on having a celebration on, you know, that dinner part. It's really going to be something. I got a couple things up my sleeve I can't share with you yet, but for $1,000, you can bring 10 people to that event. And I want to tell you, if you have any kind of company and you want to make sure that you bring some customers that will be thoroughly entertained, you know they will be there because, you know, you've got Jaworski and Bunting and Berge and, and Carmichael and Doug Peterson all walking around, and after, I hate to say it, but a couple glasses of wine, they'll talk to anybody, and they'll take pictures with anybody. So <laughs> it's a real crowd pleaser as far as customer entertainment. So I would highly recommend that. But uh, we do have a couple open slots for golfers. Send them my way, and we'll see what we can do. Good deal. Well, hey, Kevin, we got to let you go, so let's get a quick Super Bowl prediction from you. Who you like? There's two two offenses that look like they're certainly going to be able to play. Who do I like or who do I who do I want to win? Well, is this going to be your heart or your or your mind? Which one? Well, you know, people can't believe this, but you know, because I played a couple games with the Patriots, they can't believe that I root against them. But I'm not a Bill Belichick fan, and um, I, I knew have that. To give him a lot of credit. He's an awfully good coach, and this guy's got a passion, and like I said, he's smart. He's been doing it a long time. He is really hard to beat. When he can take these guys that are retreads in the NFL and give them two more years of life after everybody's given up on them, and then these receivers, you got a guy that played one year of college ball at a Division three program that ends up being the MVP of last week's game, you know he's doing something right. And Tom Brady is such a competitor. I, I just – the guy has thrown the ball as well as 39 that I've ever seen. I happened to play with Earl Marl when he was 40 down with the Dolphins. You know, I played all five exhibition – or six exhibition games down there, and he got in a few. And I can tell you there's a big difference between 40-year-old Earl Marl and the 39-year-old <laughs> Tom Brady. I, yeah. I have to root – I have to root for Ryan because he's a local guy here. I've met him once or twice. He's good, good people. I'm not saying that Tom Brady isn't. I just don't know Tom that well. And I'd really like to see him pull this out of the fire for himself, the team, and Atlanta. But I think the Patriots are going to win this game because they make fewer mistakes, and I say the score will be 24-21. 
I'm going to write that down. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, Kevin, uh, if you uh, – I'll give you a chance if you have a second to tell us what you're up to with your speaking engagements. But if you don't, we understand, and we'll catch up with you again. It's up to you. Well, I – I got a minute. And I want to mention two things. Um, my speaking engagements are going crazy. If you're in the Philadelphia area, I'm going to be the lead speaker at a Catholic men's conference on March 11th that will draw 2,500 Catholic men for the day. It's the largest in the country, and I'm there to kick it off. I'm 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 humbled, but I'm also pleased that I'm doing that. And uh, that's just one of the things that I've been doing. I've also been doing some corporate events, uh, just talking about you know coming off that mat of life and accepting challenges. The thing I'm most excited about, and one of the things that's drawn me to be um, late today or may be, be short today is I got about 50% of my book written, and I'm, I'm on a warpath now to get it done by June 1st, at least a manuscript, and hopefully have it you know, in hardback by uh, September 1st for the Christmas season. So I'm really excited nice. about that. And uh, as a matter of fact, if you, you guys follow me on Facebook, you'll see within a week I'm going to put it out there. I'm looking for title, and um, I'm going to offer a prize for whoever comes up with the title. And because I've got 5,000 Facebook friends, I'm going to take the top five that I like and then put it out there for a vote. I mean, when do you get an opportunity to do that? You know, so right. in this day of, uh, you know, technology, I'll actually be able to see what people would like to see on the on a cover of a book before it's actually out. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, great is. idea. Hey, you know what we you know what we need to make a date because uh I don't remember knowing that you were writing a book. So we need we need to get you back and talk a little more about that when we have some time. Uh, let's do it and I promise you guys next time you call I'll give you the entire time and we'll talk about that and I think it's really interesting especially I, I, you know, as you start to peel back the onion, guys, the things I forgot, the guys that I talked to, and um, I got, you know, when we talked, the, the guy that's, uh, I got a really neat story about Rocky Blyer. I had him read the first chapter because he's in it, and he read it one time when he and I were at a banquet together. I said, I'll buy you a beer. It took him 15 minutes to read, not 15, maybe 10. It was a five-page, a five-page first chapter that really supposed to get the hook in. And he says, well, what do you want to know? I said, well, is it accurate? And he says, well, I don't know. He says, seems accurate to me. You wrote it. I said, Rocky, I was on drugs when I was in the hospital, and you contacted me. So he says, it sounds good to me. I think I, I remember most of it, but just go ahead and write it. And then he says this, and if you want to embellish it, go ahead. Well, I wasn't looking for that, and I didn't do that. But that's Rocky Blyer just down to earth being himself. And I got a couple of those kind of stories that are really neat. So we'll have to set some time aside to do that. Absolutely. And we'll see you in June in, uh, at the banquet, the golf. All right. Well, I hope I, I talk to you guys before that. But we definitely you guys are coming in, and you know, I'll hook you up with whatever you need. All right, Kevin. Sounds hey, good, Kevin. Hey, appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, my man. All right, man. You guys have a great night. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Bye-bye. All right, Chad. Hey, man, that's great stuff. I, did I miss on the book? I don't think we've ever talked about that on the no, show. No, I did not we? know about that. Did not know. Yeah. Now, we, cool we knew he had a lot of great stuff for a book with all he's been through and his friendship with Rocky Blyer, which he did talk with before, uh, with us before, his friendship with Dick Vermeil, of course. You know, lots to write about, so it's a great idea. It makes sense. So we look forward to that. Yeah, and and, I'm, and actually I am quite aware of the uh, – of the Rocky Blyer story myself, and uh, it, it is a. Uh, let me just put it this way to you: Rocky Blyer picked Kevin Riley up by his bootstraps when he was down, and uh, and, and helped him get through, you know, the, yeah. the worst time of his life. And it's a, it's a. I'm yeah, he, sure it's going to be a great read. He talked with us on the program the first or second time we had him on, um, and that was it was great stuff then. And I'm sure you know when it's in book form, it's going to be you know even more great you know a fun read. That's right. All right. Well, hey Chet, let's uh, let's we're we're going to get back on track here because we're we're a little off of how we normally do things. But we're going to jump right into our trivia question because we are giving away those two. Signed eight by ten color photos of Bobby the Chief Taylor and Terry Crisp that were signed at Carl's Cards in Havertown. Well, I think this is our third week trying to give these away, and uh, we certainly appreciate Carl donating them to us. 
Let's write this number down. We're going to follow it right with the question tonight. So it's coming right after these these phone numbers. It's 929-477-2855. That's 929-477-2855. And, gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, this is a Sixers question. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a great question that you may know. You may know because you keep track, but many might not. You ready? I'm ready. Here we go. The Sixers are 16 and 27 in their 43 games going into tonight against the Bucks. Only one player has played in all 43 games. Can you name him? I know it. All right. The I don't Sixers even are cheat. I know that one. All right. The Sixers are 16 and 27 in their 43 games going into tonight against the Bucks. So obviously tonight doesn't count. Only one player has played in all of the 43 games. Can you name him? How's that one? I'll give you a hint. It's 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 not Joel Embiid. <laughs> it is not Joel Embiid, and it's not Jaleel Okafor. But hey, let's yep. talk about them Sixers. You are riding a Kool Aid truck every week, every well, every night. You. Uh, you're all over this thing, and uh, I'm still I'm still teetering. What 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 do you say? <laughs> all right, no Kool Aid required, Bill. It's just a realistic analysis of the situation. It's a team that continues to get better, and one that knows now that it can even win some games, not all of them certainly, but some games when that Joel Embiid fella isn't available. So. Kudos to Nerlens Noel and the nearly forgotten Rashawn Holmes for coming up huge Tuesday night in that win over the Clippers, a game for which both Embiid and Jello Okafor were unavailable. The guys that I mentioned, Noel and Holmes, really came up big, and the team only had six turnovers, and that's something that they've gotten better at. Uh, now they have their off nights, but they're turning the ball over a little bit less. They seem to be doing a better job of distributing the ball as well with passes and whatnot. And I know you're not a huge Brett Brown fan, but he's doing something right of late. So I'm going to give him some credit. And while I'm giving credit, a great Philly Daily News headline today about the Tuesday night win over the Clippers, it said, no Joe, but no L. Get it? I saw it. I saw that, too. I got I got a chuckle out of it as well. Nice, nice job <laughs> by the stuff. Daily News. And uh, very, very good. But, hey, you know, it, I was really taken back, I guess, last night. Uh, I guess it really proves, and, and I've said this all along in football because I, you know, I got a little more from coaching, a little more handle on that, but just the fact that these guys can step in off the bench and when the situation calls for it, combine, you know, Noel and, uh, and Holmes, combine for 37 points. These guys are backups that average about, you know, five points a game. But they're playing in roles, and when the role changes, these guys are just so good. You know, when you're at the professional level, it's really surprising. And then, then, you know, we posted an article today on the website, philliespressboxradio.com, about, you know, is Holmes the answer? Is he the guy that stays, backs up Embiid, which then makes both Okafor and Noel trade pieces? Yeah, that's going to be something to watch for sure. We talk about it every week, but we are inching closer to the February 23rd trade deadline. It's only four weeks away now. And, you know, as you and I have talked and Fred uh, joins us a lot, somebody's got to go. Maybe even a couple of those guys have to go. And if Rashawn Holmes can give you what he gave last night, you know, they can get by with, you know, just two of those four bigs for sure. Um, I don't know who's going to go, but, yeah, I like Holmes a lot. And he came out and scored, what, nine minutes in the first five minutes of the game. He looked really good. And Noel had a huge game with the blocks and the, a couple of steals and 19 points. So it was nice to see those guys stepping up. Yeah, and, and interesting, you know, a week ago we talked about Holmes being sent to the D-League, and, and now he's, he's in the lineup and, he, and he's a major contributor. I mean, it just goes to show how good these guys really are. Yeah, and uh, what are they? They've won what nine out of the last twelve, or something like that. Um, they're still, I think, four and a half or five games out of that final playoff spot. I don't really care if they make the playoffs this year because 
that's not what it's all about. It's about the long term. So this year, if they make the playoffs and get eliminated in the first round, I don't know if that helps them or not. I guess it's good experience, and it would make them feel better about themselves after you know what they've gone through the last few years. The guys that have been here, you know, for more than a year or two anyway. Um, but it's just the fact that they're closing out games better now. They're playing together as a team. And they're confident. They know they can win now, whereas back in November and early December, they didn't know that. So they've definitely made some progress over the last six weeks. Well, and, you know, Fred and I, uh, you mentioned Fred earlier, and he'll be joining us in, in a little while. You know, him and I had a conversation right there at the 42-game at the mark, basically at, mid, you know, at midseason, uh, 42 of 82, so just off by a game. And they had 15 wins and said, you know, is it is it realistic to win 15 games in the second half because because they are getting better as you said and I would think if they were to finish 30 uh, it still would be 30 and 52 but uh, that would be quite an improvement I think to get the 30 wins and would certainly be ahead of schedule. Yeah, they won 10 games last year, don't forget. And uh, they didn't exactly set the place on fire at the beginning of this season either. So, yeah, if they get to 30 wins, th- that's definite progress. Plus, they're getting all the pieces together in place. And, you know, you got Simmons, we think, coming back right around uh, February 24th or somewhere around there. Nobody's saying for sure. So it's going to be interesting to watch what happens over the next three months. Well, yeah, and, you know, we, we also posted an article today on the website uh, about Ben Simmons, and he had a scan done. Yesterday, it was positive. Uh, everything's good. Uh, but they're, as you mentioned, they're still talking late February, maybe early March. And, uh, and the article is pretty clear. We are not going to rush this kid back, uh, no matter what happens. Yeah, which makes sense. But uh, we all want to see him. So I want to see him. Let's get him out there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think as long uh, as he's ready. Jerry Colangelo and Brett Brown <laughs> would care what uh, Chet says. No, probably but I'm sure not. they're listening, so they might just call. <laughs> uh, hey, we we happen to have any callers yet? Well, let's let's get this trivia I question out there. I think we have Fred waiting have... for us. Yeah, no trivia uh, callers well, yet, but we do have Fred. So, is it time to talk a little football? What do you think? Well, let's let's read the trivia question, and then we'll slide over and we'll get Fred in here. So Sounds go good. ahead and hook him up while we're reading this, and uh, we are giving it away. Somebody out there. I know Danny's out there, Robbie is out there, Joe Stinger's out there. Somebody needs to call. Adam's probably out there listening. You guys need to call, and somebody needs to win the Bobby Chief Taylor, Terry Crisp, signed 8x10 color photos, 929-477-2855. Here you go again. The Sixers are 16-27 and in their 43 games going into tonight's game against the Bucks. Only one player has played in all 43 games. Can you name him? And it's not Joel Embiid, and it's not Joey Logopher. And I'll tell you, Fred Fred Hugo knows the answer, but Fred is not eligible. Fred is here to talk football. It's Fred and Butter time with our special guest, Fred Hugo, joining us again tonight. Fred, we talked about this with Kevin a little while ago and got his opinion. What do you think of the play of the Falcons and the Patriots in last week's championship games? Well, I mean, the Falcons offensively, they just they just do what they do. I mean, every game this season, they've haven't the twenty I think it's twenty at every game except against one team, they they've scored above twenty three points and most of the games are in the thirties or the forties. And uh, that one game was, was ironically against the Eagles where they had a, a, a method to their to stop them. Defensively, the Falcons really all year haven't, haven't done anything. But what I noticed during the game was I didn't realize how young they were. And they are starting to look – it looks like gel and come together because even to be able to hold Aaron Rodgers off the way they did, I, I don't think anyone really, like, expected them to do that. I, most people thought it would be a shootout and maybe they'd pull away at the end, but I, I didn't expect them to totally shut them down. On the Patriots' end, you just you just got to marvel at, at Belichick and, and, uh, and Brady. Like, to take Chris Hogan, they just do it every time. It, it's just unbelievable. And then defensively, I mean, they got help with Le'Veon Bell being out, out of the game, and, and not necessarily from the running aspect, but Pittsburgh likes to throw to him out of the backfield as well. So I was just 
I expected Pittsburgh to win, but at least make it a game. And you just you just look at it now, and you're it's the Patriots are there again, and and you got the highest offense in football. And I, I just I, I like to go with the defense wins championships thing, but it's going to be a tough decision. Yeah. Well, hey, um, before we we go too deep into that game uh, or the games this weekend and the upcoming Super Bowl, how do we do on our predictions? And I know I lost both. But how did last week's We Are the Champions do? <laughs> we Are the Champions? That's me. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Chet Chesko went, uh, went one and one and then clinched his title. So he, he did. has a nine and one record, and uh, that, that would win it all. I'm second place with seven and three, which is still up for debate. And then you're, you, Bill, are at six and four. So if we go against each other, we might have to come up with a tiebreaker for next week. You know. All right. See, well, we'll do it. We'll, we'll come up with total points or something. We'll we'll figure something out. I thought uh, actually I was kind of hoping that you went two and zero so that we would be down to a final between we are the champions and and Fred Hugo. Who who declares themselves champions with a two game lead with three to go? A guy who is uh, the champion, and that's me. And you know, let me just say this, guys. Other than that, Palkins game. Yeah, other than that one game, I'm a, having a nice run here in what? the playoffs. Nine and one, and thank you, DJ Khalid, for that, by the way. Um, hey, I had a hot, horrible regular season, so give me this uh, time to enjoy it, okay? But I do want to say, you know, I post a, post a question on Facebook on Sunday. How the heck did the Eagles beat that Falcons team during the regular season? They looked really, really good. As Fred said, their defense has a lot of young guys, a lot of talent, uh, first- and second-year players. They've definitely gotten better since they played the Eagles. And, of course, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, a real tough combination for any defensive coordinator right now. I'm not ready to make my pick, but I'll tell you, that that's uh, shaping up to be a pretty good Super Bowl, the Falcons and the Patriots. Well, yeah. And, Couldn't and, agree more. You know, I think the, the, the thing that's going to be the real challenge is, you know, Julio Jones is unconscious. Uh, you know, they, every time they – and Matt Ryan did a great job. Every time they tried to – to single cover him, Matt Ryan found him. So, you know, that's not going to happen. Uh, you know, the Patriots aren't going to be able to single cover him either because you can't stop him. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the Patriots are going to do. I'm going to be curious to see because, you, I mean, typically I could see them doubling Julio and then letting the other D-backs cover the other ones. But then you got Tevin Coleman and – um, Don, Deontay Freeman in the backfield as well, receivers as well. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they how they match up. And then I, I also noticed you got you got Josh McDaniels as the offensive coordinator against Dan Quinn again. And Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for that Seattle team that up until that fourth quarter a, a few years ago was, was <laughs> about to beat the Patriots for their second Super Bowl. So that's a yeah, rematch good for himself. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I think will be interesting is to see how Atlanta responds when the bright lights go on. You know, you know how Tom Brady's going to respond. He's going to play well. Um, you know, is Atlanta going to get a little shell shocked where you know, well, you know, Brady's not. Yeah, they probably yeah, got to ride that wave that, that first quarter. Go ahead. The other thing is Belichick has two weeks to uh, prepare for this game. And when you give a coach as good as Belichick two weeks, that's, that's you know, a pretty steep task for anybody. Atlanta, of course, won its playoff games at home. Now they've got to go to Houston. So neutral site, of course, for the Super Bowl. Uh, they're not going to be in the friendly confines of uh, Georgia. So it's going to be tough for them. They haven't won a Super Bowl yet. The Patriots certainly have won their share and a lot of other teams' shares already. So I could see why the Patriots are the slight favorite. Now, what is the latest line, Fred, do you know? Uh, Patriots are minus three, so they're favored by three. Yeah, that's so pretty. I, wow. I would say that's pretty spot on. You know, I mean, you got a high offensive team, and then you got a, the, the proven champion, and then Atlanta. Another point, they're they are going to Houston, but they'll be in a dome, which they're used to playing in as right. well. So that probably factors in as well. What's what's that over under looking like? It's got to be high. I believe fifty nine. It's, and it actually it opened up at 56.5, so it's already at 59. So the public must be riding the over. And that, for them to raise it that quick 
tells you, yeah, it's, it should be high scoring, but we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. You know, and by I, the way, while I, I got the point, go ahead. While I got the Packers Falcons game wrong, I did say take the over if you wanted to, you know, go either way, and it was over. So I got it half right at least. I took the over. Well, you know, hey, when I look at over underscores like this, you know, I see fifty nine in my automatically in my head. I try to think of a score. You know, how do you get right. there from here, kind of thing. You're talking thirty eight to twenty one to get to 59 or something like that. I mean, that is a lot of points that somebody's going to have to score. The, the Falcons-Packers yeah. game was 61. And then what, what, did the, what did the Falcons end up with, 42? I forget, yeah. I forget the final score, but alone 42, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, one thing, uh, one thing I, wanted to, I wanted to toss out, again, we'll talk about this a lot more next week, but the New England offensive line, uh, this week was was just outstanding. You know, all the things that I said last week, I thought the Steelers needed to do to pressure Brady and to do all those things. They did none of them. And it wasn't because they weren't trying to do it. The New England game plan, getting rid of the ball quick, Brady being Brady, and uh, and just the offensive line was just outstanding all night long. And uh, if, you, if you can't pressure Brady and, and get him on his back, you, you can't beat him. That, that's going to be the key. You're exactly right. Because if well, then again, the page, the, the the Falcons are a team that can keep up with you scoring wise, so they may ride it right, right into it. But yeah, you you got to get pressure on Brady. If you don't, he's going to score on you. The only thing is, in this particular scenario, the other team probably can stay right with you. I I expect them to to attack attack Rowe as well as he 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 got beat a couple times. Luckily for him, that the uh, Pittsburgh dropped the ball. But um, I, they they do got some some areas of exposure there that that the Falcons can attack to keep up with them if they can't stop them on defense. Well, I w- I would say that uh, I am still going to stick with my theory. Nobody is going to throw a shutout in this game, and probably nobody's going to give up seven points. But I'm just not buying into a 38-21 game or 28-35 anything like that. Somebody is going to play good defense. Somebody's going to get turnovers, and some some defense is going to make plays to get the other offense off their game. So I I don't think it's going to be you know a a seventeen fourteen game, but I don't think it's going to be a thirty eight twenty one game either. I just hope it's a more competitive game than what we saw in the two duds that were the conference championship games last Sunday. Well, yeah, you know, really. I want to Just throw that out at you guys. Uh, you know, I want to throw that out at you guys right quick, too. I mean, really, the, the Dallas-Green Bay game was a great game. There was another real good game that weekend. But other than that, the playoffs have just not not been any good. Yeah. Definitely a down year for the competitiveness in the playoffs. Right. I think the last right. time I didn't – I don't got the exact year, but I, I think it. I, I, I think I heard it on the radio. 1978 was the last time it was this uncompetitive. So hopefully it's just like an anomaly, a one-time thing. But it's just there was, and there's no defense really going on. I feel like either, you know, and that and that causes for if you're just outscoring the other team, like you said, there's the one game that was close, and that was it. Right. Hey, guys, I know we have to wrap up this segment, and uh, I still haven't made my official pick, but I'll tell you, one thing I do know is this. <laughs> Thank God you weren't winning all year. These songs are pretty corny, man. <laughs> That's what I was going to say, Fred. Could you imagine if he was actually not in the basement all season long, what we have been hearing? <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, just having some fun with you, having some fun. Oh, I hear you. We're we're with you. Hey, Fred, we're, we're going to have to go. We'll look forward to next week. We'll look at the Super Bowl in detail, and uh, I'm kind of curious to see how you're going to pick this. Are you going to pick with your head, or are you going to pick with your heart? We'll find out. See you next week. All right, bud. We'll see you next Thanks, week. Uh, looking forward to it. All right. Hey, All right, hey, Chet. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the Sixers already. Oh, I know what I wanted to do. I got out of order. Let's thank our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. By logging on to www.ShopForKisses.org's website, you become connected to over 3,000 stores, including all the big ones you already shop at. 
Every purchase made gets you cash back, and each purchase benefits the Kisses for Kyle Foundation, which helps families dealing with childhood cancer throughout the Delaware Valley. If you have any questions, contact Bob Sullivan at bobsullivan.shopcom at gmail.com or give him a call at 484-319-8043. Hey, Chad, I wanted to hit you up on a whole different subject. And last week, you know, we, we touched briefly uh, on the Baseball Hall of Fame announcing their class of 2017. Uh, but I want to get into this a little bit more because I think it's an interesting topic. And, uh, you know, the writers – they they started to lean a little bit with Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. They're both in their fifth year of eligibility. They got nearly 54% of the votes this year, the most they've ever received. Kurt Schilling, another guy who was never attached to PEDs, as a matter of fact, very outspoken against them, he finished 10th with 45% of the votes. But he's got some other issues, social media issues and things like that that have affected him. But here's the catch, and and I I have for you, and it's item five of the selection process. I want to read this to you, and then I want to get your opinion. Item five says voting. Voting shall be based upon the player's record, playing ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contributions to the team or teams on which the player played. So, yeah, integrity, sportsmanship, and character – are supposed to be part of the selection process. And I guess I w- I'd like to get your thoughts on that and uh, how does Bonds and Clemens, the PEDs, and the and the whole thing fit into to that in your mind? Well, I believe that is something that's different from the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is based pretty much entirely on on-field performance. So, as you said, baseball does consider all of that other stuff, and that's the sports prerogative. And it certainly does cloud the issue when it comes to PED users, as well as guys like Schilling, whose character has almost certainly come into question with the comments he's made about political issues and whatnot, about sports writers, et cetera, calling them names. You know, that's a character thing, an integrity thing, too, to an extent. But I don't know, does it matter at this point, you know, after he's been out of the game for eight or nine or ten years, whatever it is? I don't know. Are we supposed to only analyze what the guy did during the time he was a player I'm not sure. That's where it gets really fuzzy for me. I mean, and that's the reason Schilling went down, I think, in terms of a percentage of yes votes, because of some of the things he's said and done in the last three or four years. So I don't know. Does that matter, or is it really just what the guy did when he was playing, both on and off the field? What do you think? Well, I, I think that what Kurt Schilling's doing as a broadcaster or a public figure or whatever in the world he's doing has nothing to do with what he did when he had on a uniform. Right. And I, I think it should be completely separated out. Now, the fact that uh, the baseball writers are the ones that do the voting, and he said he wanted to hang them from a tree, probably not. <laughs> it doesn't say anywhere in here that you have to be smart, because that wasn't too <laughs> smart. You know, Not going to win a lot of votes that way, no. You're right, but it has nothing to do with how he played and even some of those guys on that 93 Phillies team who did not like him one bit said, you know what, when, when he put on a uniform and he went out there and pitched, he was as good as anybody for, for a period of time. So, you know, and then and, and I guess I look at the other thing. What, what is uh, sportsmanship? Say somebody like, uh, do, do you throw out a guy who was a spitballer? Does he, you know, known spitballer, Gaylord Perry, has been in the Hall of Fame for about 30 yeah. years, something like that. Yeah. You know, those well, that, guys that, uh, all over the place. You know, all the way back to Ty Cobb, too. who was supposed to be one of the meanest guys to ever put on a uniform. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, sportsmanship and integrity. You know, when you have these kind of guys and guys who are cheating, essentially, by taking PEDs, you know, a lot of people would say that disqualifies you because you're cheating, you're trying to gain an upper hand. That's not very sportsmanlike. That's not, uh, you know, showing integrity. But then as we talked last week, you know, Bud Selig got in, and he was the commissioner who oversaw all of this. So maybe you say, okay, forget it all. Let's just put these guys in. They were great players. It's really a, a kind of a fuzzy issue. And, you know, we've talked to some writers about it. Kevin Cooney's come out public about it. He said that's why he voted for these guys this year. Selig's in, so might as well put the players in. So you're going to get different opinions and probably a lot of different guys that you talk to about it. 
Yeah, and I, and I think what we ought to try to do is baseball season's coming up. We're going to have a lot of baseball guests coming up in the future. Is, is I think we ought to run this by them because I think it's a real interesting topic, and and, and especially when you get even past the Bonds and Clemens deal, when you get guys like uh, Manny Ramirez, who was caught twice or three times, even after uh, he was suspended, he got suspended more times, you know. Um, but he's still getting votes. You have Sammy Sosa, who not only got suspended for the PEDs, but got suspended for using a cork bat at one time in his yeah. career. So, and he's still getting votes. So, you know, where where do you really draw the line with this thing? I just think it's a really interesting topic. And and along with that, I will say too, Chet, and I didn't go through this whole thing, but I know Pete Rose's situation about gambling and betting on games does not fall under this line five. It has its own line um, as far as gambling. So for people to say, hey, these guys are all whatever they are fitting in here, Pete Rose should be in because of how he played, it's a whole different topic. Yes, it is. And an interesting topic uh, that we can address further at some point as well. All right. Well, hey, good stuff. Hey, let's. Uh, I will also want to talk to you about the Phillies. And tomorrow on phillypressboxradio.com, we're going to be posting an article on the Phillies pitching rotation. And, and Chet, there, there are 15, I didn't realize this, there are 15 starting pitchers presently on the Phillies 40-man roster. And the problem is 13 of the 15 are right-handers. And that, that's, that's staggering, actually. So that is. I am going to give you a late January shot here, clear out of the blue. And I'm going to let you pick the top six guys. You you ready to, to have a little fun? I'm going to give you a list of names, and you pick me six. <laughs> You're throwing this at me in January when I'm still in football and basketball mood? Okay, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Why not? Wait, you know what? It, you're lucky you're not sitting in the snow in front of the fireplace tonight, right? It's actually warm up there. That's so true. Yes, it is. There you go. That means that means spring training is in the air. You only have one or two more blizzards before that. All right. Give us Here those 15 go. names. Jeremy Hellickson, Aaron Nola, Clay Buckholtz, Jared Eikhoff, Vince Velasquez, Adam Morgan is a lefty, Jake Thompson, Alec Asher, Zach Eflin, Ben Lively, Nick Pavetta, Mark Appel, Ricardo Pinto, Drew Anderson, and Elneri Garcia is a left-hander also. Some of these guys are young kids, but they're protected on the 40-man roster. But, you know, we've certainly heard of guys like Mark Appel and uh, and Ben Lively who are also kind of down on this list. This list was really in no particular order. But uh, that's the 15 that are protected. And uh, let's say we have five starters and we keep a six guy. We need we keep a long man. Mm-hmm. Who, who you got coming out of the spring? Okay, some of the names are obviously not going to be there uh, come opening day. Um, and Mark Appel, who I like, I don't think he's going to be ready. The other guys like Pinto, Anderson, Pavetta, no shot. Um, you like Alec Asher, he's not going to be one of the guys either. So here's what I have. I'm going to say a couple of holdovers from last year, Jeremy Hellickson, Jared Eikhoff, Aaron Nola, and Vince Velasquez, plus the newcomer Clay Buchholz. There's five right there. That means for now I'm going to leave out Jake Thompson plus Asher and Eflin. Uh, so, again, Helix and Buckholz, Eikhoff, Nola, and Velasquez, all right-handers, I know. I'm going to go with Adam Morgan, though. He is a token lefty. I'm going to use him as the long reliever. How's that work for you? Well, Adam Morgan is going to be a starter just because he has to be a starter as a left-handed pitcher. There, you they have can't to have go a lefty, with five huh? righty. That, that yeah, won't happen. They're going to have to use him. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they'll they never go with five righties, I wouldn't think. Um, but I really I really have no no real arguments with what you got. I do think, not because I like him, I do think Asher pitched well at the end of the season. He may get a chance to be a long guy. He may also get a chance to, to move to the bullpen, um, although he didn't, uh, didn't have a lot of strikeouts to be a closer. But... Uh, Jake Thompson, Zach Eflin, Ben Lively, I think those guys are all going to be down on the farm. and uh, uh, I don't know. Well. It's too early to tell. Um, you just don't know. I mean, Eflin, they said Eflin is healthy now, so he showed some promise when he was up. 
he had the leg issues, but he says he's good to go now, so hopefully that's the case. Uh, we're going to keep an eye on Nola because he says he's 100%, but he's got to prove that. He had a tough time last year with the elbow, and elbow issues are always scary. So we don't know. But let me ask you this. You say you can't have a lefty. Adam Morgan wasn't in the rotation all of last year, only part of the season. Who was their lefty last year? Do you remember? Because uh, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Well, I know they traded that Severino Gonzalez yesterday to the, to the Marlins, and he, yeah, he a actually pitched a little bit. He was a lefty. <laughs> um, he wasn't a starter, I though, but at least know. not a regular starter. So I can't recall one. I don't know. There had to be one. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll have to think our way through it. It's 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 January. We'll have to think our way through it. <laughs> but uh, good stuff. And, and, you know, other than uh, Hellickson and Buckholtz, you know, most of these guys are 27, 28, 25, 24. I mean, they're all – most of them are young kids. Yep. Hey, if anybody has the answer to that trivia question, we'll still take it. We're looking for which Sixer has played in every game this season. There's only one. Who is it? Give us a call at 929-477-2855. And you got a nice couple of pictures as your prize. 929-477-2855. All right. Hey, Chet, uh, Philly Press Box Radio still booming again. And we want to say thank you one more time to everyone that visits the site. It's uh, – it's fun to keep up with. It's fun to read the articles. And it's fun to get uh, people looking at it and giving us feedback. Good stuff. We appreciate it. And, yeah, it is doing well. Let me just say this, too. Nice job by you, Bill Furman, picking out the bonus stories for the site every day. Like the piece about Paul Holmgren and his late brother, that, that was just a terrific read. So, yeah, great job finding lots of awesome stuff for our Philly fans in the audience. Lots of terrific stuff every single day on phillypressboxradio.com. Well, and I'm going to give you another hint. I, I appreciate that too, by the way. I'm going to give you another hint. We're going to we're going to post an article tomorrow that I've kind of saved up. And if you remember Kevin Turner that played for the Eagles a couple of years ago, he passed away uh, yep. recently. There's a there's a piece floating around about his parents and how they're still football fans, but how they watch the game differently. That I think uh, you'll find very interesting as well. And I know he, his story was also a segment of Real Sports this month. It premiered last night on, home, on HBO, and I recorded it. I haven't yet watched it, but from what I hear, it is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to watching that in the next few days as well. Sounds good. Well, hey, uh, what do we have lined up for next week? I, I know you've got to have something pretty good lined up. Well, we've got a great one again next week. I probably say that all the time, but, hey, I get excited about every one of our shows. Anyway, we have another guy who will become a member of the Philly Press Box Radio Five Timers Club. I think he'll be the fourth member. Uh, he's a writer for Calkins Media who covers both the 76ers and Eagles and who always has lots of great observations. I'm talking about Tom Moore. So Tom Moore is going to be back for his fifth visit with us. We're also, of course, going to have Fred Hugo joining us for one final segment of Fred and Butter as we make our picks for Super Bowl 51. That should be interesting. And here's the little surprise I hinted at, Bill. Um, I've lined up another guest that I'll be interviewing ahead of the show for Playback Wednesday evening, and this is a good one. He is a former Eagle, a longtime Atlanta Falcon wide receiver, and a former All-American at Villanova. He'll tell us about his year under Andy Reid, about being one of Michael Vick's favorite receivers with the Falcons, about playing with Matt Ryan for Ryan's first three seasons in the league, and what the mood is right now down in Atlanta where the Falcons are Super Bowl bound. He is a big-time sports talk radio guy down in ATL right now. His name, Brian Finneran. Very nice. Very nice. Told you we had a good well, I, won't even, I won't even ask you how you work your magic because you're all over. <laughs> you don't want to know. Hey, there you go. Hey, Chet, good stuff. And uh, hey, let's get our signing update to Carl's Cards and Collectibles. Next up is the Temple alum who made his NHL debut with the Chicago Blackhawks. Eric Borski will be in the store. And that, that'll be this weekend. And Carl recently added two-time Stanley Cup champion Bill Clement as a February signing. And check this out, Chet, another private signing with a Flyers legend, Bobby Clark. Carl will need all the items nice. in his possession no later than March 1. Bob Clark. And Carl, Carl does things with him about twice a year, 
always a big turnout. Uh, you know, it's always pretty much uh, mail order type stuff or, or drop off, private signing things. But uh, Bobby Clark never gets old. And, uh, of course, Bill Clement, two-time Stanley Cup champion as well. So uh, Carl keeps it going. He always does. And don't forget, you can also get all your framing of your memorabilia or anything else, uh, for that matter, done at Carl's Cards as well. They framed up some great stuff. For all the details, go to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, and click on the Carl's Cards and Collectibles banner at the top and go directly to Carl's website for all the details. Or stop by Carl's Cards and Collectibles at 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown, PA, or give Carl a call at 610-789-4996. You can also contact Carl on Twitter at Carl's Cards. Mr. Chesco... Why do I think that you have a parting shot? And, of course, I don't. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, of course I do, yes. Let's see. The NFL is quiet this week. Joel Embiid is out for a couple of games. The Flyers are still trying to find their way. So I'm going to go somewhere completely different. The Academy Award nominations came out the other day, and while Bill isn't a big current movie guy, I am. And i got to tell you, 2016 was a darn good year for Hollywood, if you ask me. I've seen six of the nine Best Picture nominees, and I can honestly say I enjoyed every one of them. Among them, Fences with the great Denzel Washington and Viola Davis. Hacksaw Ridge about World War II conscientious subjector Desmond Doss. Violent but very well done. Hell or High Water about bank robbers with a positive purpose. The entertaining musical La La Land. Granted, that one is not for everybody. Uh, the sad but very moving Manchester by the Sea, starring Golden Globe winner actor Casey Affleck. And my personal favorite 2016 release, Hidden Figures, a fact-based, uplifting story of three African-American ladies working behind the scenes to help launch John Glenn into space in 1962. So if you like good movies and you have some free time before Super Bowl week kicks into gear, go to the cinema, buy some of that overpriced popcorn, and enjoy a great movie or two. Well, there you go. You went somewhere where no man's ever gone before on Philly Press Fox Radio. <laughs> hey, let me let me follow that up because hey, Chad, we also one have thing a, I did want to say on a serious yeah. note before we uh, yes. before we wrap this thing up, we wanted to send our regards. We always, you know, we talk about our buddy Carl Henderson and and Carl's cards, and they they lost a beloved family member here uh, in the last day or so, and uh, we want to send our regards to Carl and and Sue and Lauren for their loss and let them know that uh, everybody here is thinking about them. Yeah, absolutely. Sincere, sincere condolences to Carl and Sue and the family. Uh, I know that's a tough situation for anybody, so uh, hang in there, and I know she was a great lady. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, by the way, uh, Bill, we... go ahead. One quick thing. We also lost another uh, legend today, and that would be Mary Tyler Moore. As a kid in the 60s, I loved the Dick Van Dyke show, and then, of course, in the 70s, the Mary Tyler Moore show. And Mary Tyler Moore has left us at age 80. She was one of my favorites as a kid. I just got to throw that in there. Well, you know what, Chad? When you're our age, you have not uh, – I mean, you grew up with her. We, yeah. we've, there's not been much time in our life that we weren't watching Mary Tyler Moore on TV doing something. You got that right. Rest in peace, Mary. All right. Another, another legend lost. All right, Chet, we are at the top of the hour, so let's thank our special guest, Kevin Riley, Fred Hugo, Carl's Cards and Collectibles for their continuing support of the show, Mary Flanagan, our marketing extraordinaire behind the scenes, and our sponsor, ShopForKisses.org, the online shopping network of the Kisses for Kyle Foundation. For Jim Chetesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, February 1st, you can listen through our new website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on both iTunes and Stitcher. And, Chet, before we give our high hopes, we didn't get a trivia answer tonight, but the uh, Dario Saric with all 43 games, the only the guy in second, yep. 42 games, T.J. McConnell. He's the only other one. I knew it. So I knew that, it. I hope, Philadelphia sports fans. 